0: Right there. there wow, the little guy. Oh, give me a break. This is here. checking
1: Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. We're in the second round uh and speaking of twos this is only the second show that john and i have done in 2022 uh definitely have had some crazy personal stuff going on so i appreciate everybody for bearing with that but also um if you haven't forgotten about us thanks for for tuning back in i i guarantee you we're going to be a lot more present through the rest of the postseason i think the celtics handled manhandled uh, the Brooklyn Nets, maybe not manhandled, but they definitely took care of them quicker than John and I could get our schedules arranged between vacations and some business travel on my end. But here we are. Unfortunately, the first game you and I have to talk about, John, is the first loss in the postseason. Really, they got bullied up hard by the Milwaukee Bucks and, um didn't quite punch back the way I would like to, and I don't get uh, They're going to they call it a hard foul. Normally that they're going to call in it in a hard miss foul. Miss these, guys sort of of season, these guys really are, like are the ridiculous. These guys are ridiculous. The refs had no uh, option but to turn it down a notch, and uh, I don't think they did that, but having said that, John, good to see your face, my friend.
0: I know, yeah. Yeah, same here. Same here. It's- uh it's been uh it's been too long and hopefully we'll we'll be able to for all the listeners and also for each other to be able to do this a little bit more often so um yeah um no i agree i agree with you i think i think physicality and uh the way the plan that brooklyn had <laughs> uh, there we go Milwaukee. the plan that milwaukee had today um, which is really just an extension of what they've always been, what they've always done and what they've done through, you know, for years of using the length that Brooke Lopez provides, uh, the length that Giannis Antetokounmpo provides, and then just say, okay, now you got to shoot over us. And and really just walling off the paint and and being physical on the perimeter. And presumably the officials were letting that happen. Uh, they were laying a lot of contacts go uncalled um, and drive to the paint. And once that started to happen, the Celtics really struggled, I think, offensively to try to figure out, well, they're not, they're making it difficult for us on the three-point arc. They're making it difficult for us at the paint. Um, we're not supposed to be a team taking mid-range jumpers. How do we do this? And it, it flummoxed them. It had them kind of questioning and shaking their heads. Um, I think the ball moved a little, but I don't think guys moved. And I don't think there needs to be another level of of offensive um focus, I think, for these guys. They were getting the turnovers early, um, but they also just were missing shots too. And so I think there was some of this, like, well, do I take this shot? Should I really be taking a three in this instance? I think there was a lot of second guessing, and so it was an adjustment to go from a team with no plan in Brooklyn to a team with a great deal of a plan and have six days off. I think that's the biggest adjustment. I think mm-hmm. that, that EMA and company will need to employ. Okay. You've seen it now. Now we to do something about it as opposed to just simply waiting and watching and, and trying to put your head down. Like we were going to make the adjustments at halftime. I was really anticipating
1: a different performance in the second half, and it never Mm. quite came together. But like you said, a lot of it was shots just weren't falling, and the confidence that they would fall fell from players even like Peyton Pritchard. I mean, Mm. how many open shots did he just not knock down that would have been a big difference maker in terms of how everything spaced out. But then because he wasn't making them, they let him keep taking them, and it never hurt. There was a point, it was probably right around the four-minute, Uh, Four minutes to go in the third quarter, where I think the Celtics had, you know, kind of were within six and momentum was swinging a little bit. And I thought to myself, you know, this game is easily in hand for them had they just made some of these three pointers. Jalen Brown at the start of the game, Peyton there, Peyton there, you know, in that stretch in the third quarter. And there's another reason why I thought even in the fourth quarter, if they just keep this to like six, but then all of a sudden, And it just got really, really physical. They couldn't get the rebounds all of a sudden. And that's when Milwaukee really kind of bullied them and and pulled away. But they had many times where there were opportunities for them to prevent that, even as they were getting bullied. And they still just couldn't quite clamp it down. I think this will be the worst performance we see from the Celtics in this series. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they win the series or that they don't win the series. I'm just saying, I don't think it'll ever be this ugly And sometimes those games off, I know you just said it, but I I don't want to spell it right out for everybody. Six games off has always taken this team out of rhythm. They almost have to find their identity again. That's almost too much time Mm -hmm. for the Celtics between playing really well, being on a string, and then going in this other direction. And the game plan was really just kick their butts. I mean, just physically – they just got beat up, and sometimes that first game after six off, you're just not as hardened. And that was, and the refs definitely allowed it to be extra physical, so they definitely played into Mil- into the hands of Milwaukee's strategy. And well,
0: you know the NBA, my friend, mm-hmm. Scott Foster. Uh, yeah, we love having him around, and he, you know, as I, I tweeted about this, I I, I felt like. Foster was almost like so pissed off that game four didn't go the way he wanted it to against Brooklyn, that he was like, oh, I'm going to get my way here <laughs> in game one. Like it almost felt like, okay, yeah. well, screw you guys. Um, but no, I, the physicality, I thought the, the fact that Celtics could do pretty much whatever they wanted to do against Brooklyn did not help them in preparing for going against a team that wasn't going to give any inches. Uh, when it comes to trying to play uh, against the Celtics in this round, uh, so you know, does it doesn't it, it prepared them in terms of the star power, and it prepared them for the fact that you know you play this dynamic player, but I think it really served almost as a detriment here in Game One. Did not prepare them to play against the champs, uh, and and Giannis is such a different player than Kyrie and and KD are anyway that. Um, I'd also argue that perhaps they were too focused on on Giannis tonight, and instead they really should have just played a bit more of a solid, you know, kind of game. Um, you know, where you kind of let, let, Giannis, let Giannis get his,
1: so that nobody right. else gets off. And right. yeah, totally, totally agree with that strategy wise. He was definitely going to, but then like, look at the the free throws he missed. Yeah. I mean that exactly. was that stretch was disgusting. And and that's what you're kind of waiting on. You let him take over the I mean, even if you situationally just want to kick his ass for four minutes just yeah. to get him off rhythm and then go back to the all around defense. Yeah. But just situationally just cool. to beat him up and then and then peel back and beat him up and then peel back a little bit, cool. just so he never gets fully in the flow.
0: And that, play, and that time that you were talking about early, uh, I guess later in the third quarter, about four minutes go, Giannis picks up his fourth foul. That was the opportunity, I thought, for, okay, now we've got to make our run. We, we need to get this to a tie game, you know, or get a lead. Like, that was really the opportunity. And it felt like everything else went wrong. Everything else fell apart. They didn't know how to defend anybody else out there. And Drew Holiday, I mean, credit to him, he really stepped up today. Uh, his defense on, on Tatum was stupendous. Uh, you know, he locked down Jalen at moments. Uh, he, and he got those key buckets to stop those runs. And the Celtics didn't know how to push through that. And so, you know, that that's a problem. Uh, but I also don't – I've always felt like with Milwaukee, they're the type of team where you can look really bad and then – you can look like amazing <laughs> in the blink of an eye. Like it's it's always there's been a lot of games in the Suns past playing against Milwaukee where they'll be down big and all of a sudden they'll come back and they'll win the game. Or I mean, or or they'll um, you know look like they can, can barely dribble the ball as a team, and then all of a sudden they put it together and they blow them out. Like it seems like Milwaukee is a very feast or famine team, and and probably that's the reliance on the reliance on how their defense is set up to give up the three-pointer, right? Like, if they're set up to give up the three, the easy three, then you just kind of go with it. I mean – Yeah, and if we made them in this game, this game probably – Right.
1: They wouldn't have been able to get into a position where they had already shaken the confidence, where they had a lead and they were extending it out. Worst case – I mean, what did they shoot tonight?
0: 28%, 25% from – that's the thing. 36 percent the celtics yes so really that's the thing that's what that's kind of the thing right they shot 18 to 50 so didn't feel that way didn't
1: feel that way way.
0: especially early on and so that's kind of what i guess part of the message from this i think is is that you got to keep shooting them i think in a way you got to keep What was Derek
1: White and Al Horford? Were they the ones making them all?
0: Yeah, so uh, Horford was four for nine, and Derek White was two for three. Grant was two for four. Jalen, three for nine. Tatum, four for nine. Uh, But, you know, you had Pritchard, two for eight. um, Mm, Smart was one for six. Um,
1: Those
0: two. Yeah, they combined for three for 14, uh, between the two of them. But still, I mean... I think that the thing that I saw was and they started to do at the end of the game is they tried to, to hunt the corner three as opposed to trying to like, I don't know. I don't really know what the game play was, what type of three they were trying to hunt, but you could see they were trying to make that concerted effort, drive the guy from the corner in to help find the corner guy. If he's there, he takes it. If not, now there was a couple instances where the subs defense has to or Celtics offense has to rotate, right? And I think that's part of the issue is you need cutters, you need guys moving, because if it's all just kind of perimeter, it's just a shooting contest. I don't think that's going to work well for the Celtics moving forward. They need this to find a way to get into the paint too. Uh but but if they can if they can hunt that corner three and they can get the corner threes down and those were there for them, I think that will probably open everything else up. But um I I think this is all about shooting. I think they missed so many shots early on, particularly Jalen. You know, six points at the half, one for, I think he was one for, you know, one for seven or something at that point Mm -hmm. from three. Um, That slow start, I think they just couldn't dig out of it, honestly. Even though the, the lead shrunk and they had it down, it felt like psychologically they never really dug out of the hole. You know, but if they had gotten the lead or they tied it during that spell that you were talking about, maybe we're talking about a different game.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know the other thing too was just the uh, the offensive fouls and the charging oh, was yeah. definitely going way, and it and it really didn't matter. It was going towards the offensive player consistently in the calls throughout throughout the game, mm-hmm. but it still bugs me. The w- it, and I get it. Like Giannis is okay to throw his shoulder in as long as he doesn't <laughs> extend the arm, and 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 I I get it perfectly legal, it annoys me to no end that that's a legal play, that you can throw your shoulder into a player to set up a step back, and as long as you don't extend your arm, that's acceptable. And it's, and it's because they don't know where to draw the line. The only way to draw the line is with the extension of the arm, is that you're throwing your shoulder, but your whole weight, that your arm comes away from the body. But as long as you keep that off arm tight, and you throw the shoulder, it's legal. But, I mean, there are times where it's just – it's not even – it's one thing when you have, like, the old-school back-to-the-basket, low-post player, and it's your butt. Like, I kind of – I'm fine with the butt because I feel like that's basketball fundamentals in general. But the shoulder is a charge. If you lead with your shoulder, you lead with your arm – and you're banging off and it used to bug the crap out of me with LeBron too. Like, I just don't I don't want to watch that kind of basketball. But I will also say that despite all of that frustration, there were several times where Smart just kept taking hits to the chest and and going over and it was like the third time somebody did it to him on the third possession in a row is when they finally would call it because it's like This guy is taking an ass whooping. I guess we ought to give him one. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, if you're going to let the shoulder throw be whatever, then as long as Marcus's feet are planted and he's not flopping and they throw a shoulder with force and he goes back, then that's a charge. Like if you've got to, you've got to empower the counter move. If we're going to go with savvy veteran ball, and Giannis gets away from it because the player takes the hit to the chest, but then doesn't do the full charge. Then you got to give it to the player with planted feet who goes back because that's the psychological game. If we're going to play that game, I'm down. But but then let's play it fairly. I, I can't stand it when it's like, no, that's just legit legal,
0: no matter what the defender does. Right. Like those those play, like I, I think I know which one you're talking about where Smart took two shoulders right in the square of the chest from Drew Holiday. Bang, bang. Hit, gets hit once, recovers, gets hit twice, bang. Drew gets the bucket, and then no call. And then I think it comes back down the other way, and Milwaukee tries again. And a different player, same sort of play. Smart takes it in the chest. That time they call it a charge. Right. I don't understand that. And I, and I, and I think all three were, I think it was Grayson
1: Allen. Yeah. I think think it was Grayson Allen. So that's a reputation call. I mean, that's all it is. Drew Holiday is one of the stars on the box. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Grayson Allen does it. He's got a reputation for being a jerk. He doesn't get it. And, you know, but how about the pretend defense he was playing? Like (laughs) all of a sudden Grayson Allen looks like this all world defender in this game because they are allowing Mm -hmm. grabbing, clutching, like all of the things that in college basketball was why he was a sieve and would never make it in the NBA because he can't like, maybe not never make it. We knew he'd make it as a shooter, but Mm -hmm. as a defender, you always knew he was going to be a minus defender in the NBA. According to a scouting report was because he just couldn't do it. But if you allow players to move their feet and stay in front of a guy, and grab and clutch of course they're going to look like a great defender
0: well and and so look at let's look at milwaukee right it's going into the series you and i if we you know we're sitting down and we had done a show beforehand we'd say that on the perimeter it would seem like jalen jason can do whatever they want aside from drew holiday pretty much the rest of their wing depth without middleton really should be barbecue chicken for those guys the question is when they get in the paint, how do they deal with that? Right. That that's going into it. That's what I thought. Javon Carter, who got cut by the Brooklyn Nets, got cut, <laughs> wasn't good enough to be on the Brooklyn Nets, is out here. He's a plus 25 tonight. Or plus 25, yeah. Plus 25. He led the Milwaukee Bucks in plus minus tonight. Javon Carter. Okay. Yeah. Now why was that? It's because when he was on the court. This is what he was defending with, two hands, every single time. And, hey, I don't, I don't blame him. If they're not going to call it, do it, right? Same with, same with Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen was a plus 11 tonight. But if that's the way it's going to be, and, and you're allowed to clutch and grab Tatum and embrace. That's, which, my, that's my frustration with the Celtics
1: not coming back mm-hmm. and clutching and grabbing and pushing their asses on the floor. Because, yeah. honestly, if you told me that Brooke Lopez kicked our butts tonight and that was the difference in the game, Mm-hmm. Just simply that, and it was a close game, I'd be okay. I'd be like, Yeah, because we're giving up on size, and they played the interior game, and you know, that did some inside out, and Grayson Allen hit threes. But honestly, it was it was that defensive style, and the and the fact that the Celtics didn't come back and bully back because honestly, you could have forced this is the issue, you could have forced the refs to start calling ticky-tack, which would have had to have gone both ways for the most part, and it would have mitigated that if you gave them the idea that this game might get out of control. Even Mm -hmm. Doris Burke said, this is probably the most physical game I've watched in the NBA the entire year. Mm -hmm. I've not seen one this physical. Celtics should have raised a game and should have made this a bad look for Scott Foster and family because they weren't getting control of the game. I think the reason that it went this way is because it was a game one. They allow that physicality in game one. Nobody's trying to get kicked out, you know, before the season even gets under, I mean, the season, a series even gets underway. Mm-hmm. But this was a perfect game to just, you know, just don't get a flagrant to the point where you're going to get suspended for a game, but just grab them and push them. Use it. Force yeah. the officials to realize mm-hmm. because that would mitigate it. If not for today, it would mitigate it for every game here on out. Oh, man, we can't let that happen again. Did you see how chippy that got? This series, that's game one. Do you yeah. know where this is going to go for the next six games? We can't have that. Scott, team, settle it down <laughs> with this. We got to keep this one under control. Yeah. And instead, they lo- they're they going to end up having to do this again in game two. There's a re- Or if not, no game cost, three in right. Milwaukee. But, but one, one of the next two games yeah. is going to be just like this. I- and if the Celtics don't force the refs to call it, then they're going to be at a disadvantage the rest of the series, not just because they gave up one at home to kick off the series, but because the refs are going to let it fly. And by the time the Celtics lose control and do fight back, it's going to end up in flagrant and all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be looked at as retaliatory, and it's only going to hurt the Celtics from here on out because the Bucks just set the tone.
0: As Red Auerbach always said, you want to instigate, not retaliate. Right. So that's that's a lesson. Right. And, and I don't think they went in. I'll give Eme some credit on this. I don't think that they went in not thinking that they don't have to be physical. I think they did talk about physicality, but I don't think they were prepared for what they were going to face. Right. I think that if I want to get on email for something, I want to say. Either they didn't execute the game plan, you know, they were too focused on Giannis. And they, and they didn't kind of meet the physicality of the game. Um, but, but I also think that um, there were a lot of things that felt like they kind of took the Celtics out of what they did. The first thing, first and mm-hmm. foremost thing, I think was missing shots. I think missed shots really kind of worked against them and gotten their psyche a little bit in such a way that was not beneficial. But the second thing, and I think, I think probably the thing that I can understand more so than missing shots, you have uh, Smart goes down, right, with the shoulder. Um, you have he's getting need in the in the in the in the, um, in the in the thigh. Rob Williams goes down. Um, you know they had to use up a lot of a lot of timeouts. They had to it, it really. If there's something, everything went wrong for them. You know, I mean, really, when you look at the whole course of this whole thing. There's not much that could have gone worse for them in game one. And and there was, I mean, there was a moment when we got to that point, like you said, or you know, late in the third quarter, it was like, how is this still a six-point game with everything that's gone wrong? The only thing that went right was the huge amount of turnovers Milwaukee had in the first quarter. Apart from that, yep. everything else seemingly had gone in against Boston. So does that mean they're going to win game two? No, it doesn't. They still have to make adjustments. They still have to you know, meet that physicality, as you were saying. But in terms of can I see how it got to that point? Yeah, I kind of can, because I I don't think um, sometimes things can just be unlucky, too. You know, and and the injuries and all that. The the, the shots, uh, The, the not hitting shots was one of the unlucky
1: parts. The physicality of the game is the part that eventually did the attrition if they had hit those shots early and been kind of confident a couple of people went out and they stayed chippy and, you know, just kind of kept it going. But the fact that they didn't get the shots and they were playing a little bit from behind or just not feeling like things were working that as it went on, the physicality wore them down and just pulled them farther and farther away from really stringing something together, even the ball movement. I mean, I'm not saying it was bad ball movement, but, but, that ball movement stopped going because they were having like every time they would pass the ball, they'd have a defender draped around them. So it was like every time, and this is at the top of the key, this isn't down, you know, in the paint, this is like up high where the, where the high screen goes, Mm -hmm. the blocks were draped around them. And it was like just a normal handoff to somebody from three, three and a half feet away was getting disrupted and not from good defense. If you're allowed to put your arms around a defender that far away from the basket and disrupt an entry pass, not, not, not skill, not cutting around the player, because when you allow the arms to drape around, then that skill player doesn't get a chance to burn you. Like if they were just overplaying the entry pass, then that, then, then the the person who gets the ball, if it's not successful to steal, they just spin away, and the next thing you know, chaos ensues, right, because they get by their man. When you've got arms draped around you and you're trying to receive a pass, a la Jalen Brown, there's no spinning out of that. It's an illegal trap. It's just disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stop from complaining. I'm going to stop right here. Sorry, Celtics. Yeah, you should have punched him back in the mouth, right, like my buddy KG would say. You're going know, to punch that bully in the mouth. All right. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs fights and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back and the start of major league baseball season. Finally here folks bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code. You know it by now, folks, CLNS50 to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. John, let's move me away from sour grapes. We're just going <laughs> to sidestep the sour grapes.
0: We'll start- share... Yeah,
1: go ahead. I'm going to share one thing with you first.
0: Share. Share away. Do, do you see that? You got a jersey the first on. Time. Yeah. It's the
1: first time I've ever had, you know, uh, you know fan gear on.
0: Yeah, no, you never do these. it. You never do. Never
1: that. have it. No. Nope. Yeah. So, despite all the tumultuous times that has been 2022, I have the best son in the world. So we had him on um, to talk Shelf. about the KG retirement game,
0: the ceremony. Shouts to, to Riley. Shouts to Riley. What I didn't
1: know is when he was at that game, uh-huh. he bought one of the KG limited edition retirement ceremony jerseys. Oh. And he gave it to me for my birthday in April. Whoa. I just got this two weeks ago. He, he bought it at the game. Dude, dude, I have the best son ever. Wow. wow! I couldn't be there. I wanted to be at that game so bad, and he had tickets, and he brings he brings
0: home the jersey for his dad. I mean, come on, right? That's that's pretty great. Whoa! Way to go, Riley. That's, that's a good man. Good man. That's the man. First time I've there.
1: ever worn any fan gear. I have a. I have a poster downstairs of KG
0: doing this. Wow! Anything truly is possible, isn't it?
1: <laughs> hey, but have you seen that? No,
0: no. <laughs> no I don't know what uh, you're talking about. Have you
1: still not watched <laughs> it? No, I, I just—I'll let no. it go. I no. can't believe you haven't watched it. No. Oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh.
0: So uh let's um let's talk, talk about, about the, the rest of the series. Let's talk about the rest yeah. of the series. Yeah. Um I okay, so my I'm not gonna say I'm gonna throw out game one because I think that's that's really not reasonable. Um but what I would say is that I think that there is some 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 shooting luck that kind of goes into some of this, and I don't think the Celtics are gonna shoot as poorly at times as they did tonight. Uh, Again, the most important thing that I saw, there's there's two things I saw that were really important. One, I saw a Rob Williams in the first quarter that was as explosive or nearly as explosive and as impactful as I had seen since he had a knee surgery. I think that's the most important thing from the Celtics' perspective um, is that they have a Rob Williams who can do Rob Williams things. Yeah, he's up high. He's up is. high above the yeah. rim. Playing. He's chasing, yeah. chasing, things down. He's you know he's kind of doing, doing his thing. Um, I'm hoping that the uh, seat sneaker to the uh, quote unquote midsection uh, has not done any other damage other than just really hard. And Smart hurt him, was limping bit. off
1: too. So
0: yeah, yeah. Smart Smart I- injuries are probably the more concerning, at least outwardly, um, but. Putting those things aside, seeing Rob do Rob, Rob Williams' things can be, I felt like this is a five-game series. Now, what prevents me from thinking the Celtics win a four in a row is that not only because the math is pretty tough, but, but also um, the, the Celtics, the second most important thing, or maybe the most important thing, is the Bucs' defense is real. And if if they're going to be able to be that physical on the outside, which they may be able to, maybe not quite as physical, but but I think they'll be quite physical. They have to figure out what to do in the paint. And and whether it's Brooke Lopez, whether it's Giannis, um, Bobby Portis, they have to figure that out. And whatever the game plan is to beat the fact that effectively they're giving up one guy in the middle, reg- you know, regardless, regardless. Um, if they can figure that out, I still think the Celtics are the better team. I think that they are a better rounded defense, even though um, it wasn't as effective as the Bucs defense was today. I think the Bucs defense was the better of the two defenses, certainly. Um, but part of that's bad Celtics offense. I think the Celtics can fix their offense. Um I'm just not sure. Just I still feel I've always just i a always Bucks' defense gimmick. I've always felt it's a gimmick. I, I don't know. That's yep. just me. I think it's a gimmicky defense, and I feel like there's a way around it if you're smart enough. And I'm kind of I'm, I'm really disappointed that Ema didn't have that answer today, or at least the team didn't deploy what Ema wanted to do today. But I, I'm really interested to see what happens Tuesday night because if they can figure it out Tuesday night, I have I'm probably back closer to my five game five. Type of prediction, because I, I don't think I think this one felt like more of an outlier than I think it really yeah. will be.
1: Yep, I agree. It won't be called that way every single time. And I think the other thing, the team was really slow mm-hmm. um, on offense. And so there's two things that 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 can improve that. And if they can speed it up, then the Bucks gimmicky defense is over. I mean, it's really about quickness. And even defensively, getting Rob involved but having him crash a little bit more instead of trying to – like, having him play defense, bodying up on a Lopez just isn't going to – we're never going to win on that, even with his athleticism. They almost need to – I don't know if this is the right word, but they almost need to run, like, some stunts where they let Brooke Lopez sort of body up a smaller player, make make him think he has the advantage – you know, on the matchup and then Rob rotates over and plucks the ball out of his hands, Mm -hmm. you know? And and so they have to, they have to disguise that a little bit to let Lopez think he's got more and then get in that mofo's head.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That could be one thing, but, but the speed thing is also about all the clutching and grabbing out at the point of attack. They just couldn't initiate the offense. They're going to have to do something higher, even higher to get things moving and get everybody going so that they can get that bigger, slower defense, like into that rotation enough. The problem is as soon as it slogs down, Milwaukee's fast enough to clog up those passing lanes. So they just weren't finding any of them and they're going to need to run more two man game higher up a lot faster. They almost want to, you almost want to have two picks that are above the three point line they're coming over one and then weaving back across the other one. And then all of a sudden everybody collapses back in because you're either going to get a good look for somebody like Jason out beyond the arc in that scenario, or you're going to wind up creating the space in the middle that they need. We need Brooke Lopez in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Those guys have to be running all over the floor. We have to put major miles on the bags. If we want to, if we really want to attack, and so, yes, if they're not allowed to clutch and grab, that'll help a little bit. But that slow starting offense that the Celtics mm-hmm. has, that's got to go against this team, regardless of whether or not they, you know, call, the, call it a little bit tighter with the clutching and grabbing out on the perimeter.
0: You know, the other thing I'd say, too, is that the Celtics did do a, did a really poor job when they got those turnovers in the first half. They did a really poor job, uh, or I should say, first quarter. They did a, a really poor job of scoring off those turnovers. Um, Bullpet just posted that uh, Milwaukee scored 18, 27 points off of Boston's 18 turnovers. The Celtics scored just six points off of the Bucks' 14 turnovers. So the Bucks only having 14 turnovers, that means they only had seven turnovers after that first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, So that's yeah, you know, talking about a sign of how they were able to clean things up after the first half and, and why they were no longer – why they were ahead. They cleaned, they cleaned up their game. The Celtics, on the other hand, kind of went the other way and just kind of kept uh, being bad in that area. But, but, but the, the larger point is they were converting. We weren't. And, and that's, that's the same thing, I think, when I see, you know, kind of the breakdown off of the drive and the kick. You know, it's like, you need to have a plan. And it it seems like there's no plan. Like we get the ball um, off a turnover or whatever, like kind of a broken play. And it's like, well, now what are we trying to accomplish? And it feels like there's just like, there's like a step slow, like they're just, they're kind of thinking about, as opposed to just playing, you know, where's, where's Lopez? Where's Giannis? Where's, as opposed to just like, just go, um, I don't know what that is. You know, you kick to the corner, rotate, rotate, bang. You know, like three-pointer. Like it's not. I, I I felt like that they were thinking the game after that first half, and and maybe just second guessing their shots. Um, and that wasn't helpful. But one thing that was helpful, I would say, is that after a really bad first quarter, uh, Derek White actually had a pretty. <laughs> That that was actually nice to see and because I think they're going to need him. He hit three-pointers a lot. Yeah. That's what matters. He had a couple weird ones around the rim that kind of bounced out and whatever, but but he was <laughs> he was shooting the ball. I mean, he two for three from three and and I I thought he was actually you know playing with that same he he was looking aggressive. He needs to stay aggressive. They need him out there. Um I just yeah, his
1: confidence yeah. level never yeah. meshed, and you would have thought that he was a perfect fit, mm-hmm. but honestly, I think he was a little cold from beyond the arc when he first came. He has a slightly unorthodox shot that wasn't necessary. I mean, he would hit it um, at the right percentage you'd want, but it wasn't like that's the guy that's going to be your sharpshooter and nail down the three for you when the game's on the line type of deal, and there's so yeah. much of what they do – for the inside out game is predicated on somebody being able to knock that down. I mean, look at all it took for Grant Williams to be more effective other than the commitment to diet and exercise. And he's a lot faster, but still as strong as he was. But the real big deal was remember how he started last season. He couldn't hit a three pointer and he basically got buried on the bench for it. Now this year he comes out and he starts shooting three pointers at a great clip. And yes, I'm sure that his physical fitness and weight loss has helped him to some extent hitting threes, but sometimes it's just the mental part. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so you go cold like that, especially when you're trying to make a name on a new team that, you know, is playoff bound that everybody else around you, you're seeing them finally come together and they're having Mm -hmm. success. It's gotta be hard if you're Derek white feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm fitting in and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do but I'm not really giving that extra to this team. I'm just getting by maybe a training camp and, and some film in the off season and getting some guidance from the Celtic staff about how they want to use him. But he, he just, he doesn't seem uncomfortable. He just doesn't seem comfortable. Yeah. If
0: that makes any sense. No, I think that's exactly right. I don't think he, I think his shooting woes have kind of made him skittish to, to pull up sometimes. I think, he, I think he's I think he's a really good player. I think he's a good kind of conduit player. I think he's a good player that kind of keeps things moving and passes. His ball movement is really I think crucial for this this team that needs sometimes somebody to kind of keep it going and find you know kind of move the ball to the next guy. Um, and defensively, he's good. He's, they don't. He's a good they don't have him run cuts very much either. No, I think he'd be good at that. I think he'd be really
1: really good at that. That Avery Bradley, cutter, Mm -hmm. send him Mm -hmm. everyone, especially because a lot of times when he's out there, I mean, interestingly, the idea was that he would be a defensive player like Marcus smart, who could also combo guard Mm -hmm. initiate the offense. And I think he's those things, but there is a clear difference in, you know, skill level between him and smart that I think we all thought would have been a little bit, not as clear. It's very it's stark, but I think he probably works better off the ball offensively, and since he's going to be out there a lot of times in a backcourt with Marcus, mm-hmm. it would make so much sense for them to run him cutting, especially when they have Brown and Tatum trying to create space on the wings, at least running that action with the cutter. A couple of successful plays, defense sags just a little bit. Rob's coming out up top at the same time, so – Derek goes in, Rob comes out, then you look, okay, you're not going to hit the cutter, comes back out to Rob, and then they do that thing where Rob sets up Tatum, and then all of a sudden Brown can go into motion. Mm-hmm. And But they don't ever – they don't really ever initiate offense with any cuts. Have you ever seen them, like, run a cut at the beginning? Like a real cut, not the curls, you know, no. but I mean like, no. like, like a knife cut penetrating right as they're coming to set it up Mm -hmm. like why wouldn't you do something like that and just catch the defense expecting the same old same old with everybody sitting out on the wing and running the handoff like it's so predictable just Mm -hmm. every once in a while maybe a 40 45 degree knife cut towards the paint and just smart's got the vision for that just hits him and 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 the one thing that Derek has that i think is really strong is that floater and i think he's got it so as long as he receives the ball, he can go. He doesn't have to like try to dunk it or lay it off. He should just catch that and go right up into the floater. If he's got space and just lay it up over. I mean well, that every once in a while, is
0: just something little wrinkle like that? Well, that's, I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Like in terms of how to be, or how to, how to address some of what Milwaukee is doing, right. They're playing everybody up. Right. So the trick is right. is. You know, I teach my my kids that I coach that seventh, eighth grade, you know, sixth grade, they play up on you, you go back door, right? Well, they'll go back door, but yes, there's help there. Well, the difference though is, is that at some point the help has to at least address the cutter, right? So who's open? Somebody's always going to be open if that's the case. They either got to deal with the cutter or they got to deal with their man. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're Brooke Lopez and you're just standing in the paint, Uh, You're not worried about your guy, whether it's Rob, whether it's whomever. That kind of, okay, there's got to be some sort of communication there. It's going to create a gap. Somehow it's going to create a gap. So then Jason gets by. Maybe then Brooks is a step late because he's got to deal with, you know, the cutter coming through and now there's the other guy. And, you know, you can see how those things can, can work. If everything's stationary and they're just waiting for the action to happen at the top of the key, everyone's just waiting it's pretty simple. This guy's going to come at me. I'm going to have to, you know, kind of, you know, hedge or, or, or kind of stop it, stop the drive. And then, you know, like it just becomes this thing where it's a little bit more e- easy to use. If there's five guys, it's going to be a lot harder for, you know, that, that I think I'd call rudimentary. I think it's a rudimentary defense to simply just say, Hey, we're going to stand there. We're going to make you try to shoot over the top of a the paint. Okay. But if he's pulled away or there's something there, I mean, I don't really know, do we leave Rob in the dunker spot and then just kind of dunk, leave off to, to Rob to, to, to be in the dunker spot and then reset? Or, I mean, it just feels like we're not punishing where the help's coming from. And that's, that was the biggest thing that I see against Milwaukee. You've got to punish the help. Um, they're going to overhelp. So punish them, then they'll be less likely to help, then Tatum can get to the rim. You know, we're I think I think you're right. As we look at the rest of the series,
1: though, they're going to make all the adjustments. This did feel like the anomaly game one, not the this is the Celtics that we're going to see for the rest of the series. But yeah. that means that they've got to get it back when they go to Milwaukee and they still have to get game two. Now, we've seen this happen before, though, many, many postseasons prior where the Celtic actually let's let's go back a few seasons ago when the Celtics came out and kicked <laughs> Milwaukee's butt in game one and we were like Woo-hoo! and then you know what wound up happening?
0: Um Kyrie we lost every lost game, game thereafter. Mine. Oh yeah, right. That too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> it was so sweet.
1: So let's finish this and then we can close on on the Kyrie hate. <laughs> We didn't front load with that because everybody's so used to it from us. But I, I, you know, definitely would love to take a couple of parting shots on the way out. Goodbye, rearview mirror. But uh, but I think I think this might play out the same way, especially with Middleton out. I mean, he's a Celtics killer. That was like very encouraging news. You could see how, on face value, game one is oh, they're the much bigger, stronger team. They don't have Chris Middleton. They find a way to win against a fully healthy Celtics team. Who would have thought the Celtics would have been healthy? They're just they're you know they finally met their match. All of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, mm-hmm. and then it's just leading you down a bogus narrative. And the next thing you know, the Celtics come back, punch back, and and it starts to take on a completely different tone. The rest of the series. So uh, I can see that playing out in reverse from the way it did. I think it's going to go six. Um, I do think that the 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 thing about six is that means the Celtics got to win it on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's possible twice. twice. But I do think that's possible, especially if they crack it once, and if they do it, game three's got to be the one. You know, win in game, win game three, and do the same thing. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, you've c- completely swung the momentum you're like yeah we got it right back we mm-hmm. got it right back the first chance we had we're not giving you another chance um so I think I think Celtics in six and maybe they take it on the road still um but that does depend a little bit on on health I, I really do hope Marcus is it's hard to imagine them beating Milwaukee without Marcus though isn't that weird
0: yeah no I think you're right I think without him they're it's a tough, I, I I think this is, well, you know what? I don't know about that. Um, Who do you start? Is that a Derek White's job well, or Peyton Pritchard's? I, I, yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, I think this is actually a series where you can probably not worry as much about Marcus, perhaps um, because, you know, what you're going to get out of a Connaughton, Grayson Allen, Javon Carter, Wesley Matthews, kind of, you know, I mean, Derek White should be able to handle all of those guys. I'm not saying that he's going to score off them, but but he he should be able to kind of hold eighty percent. Um, it's it's the winning plays that you're just not going to get without Marcus on the floor. Yeah. But but you know, obviously that that would that would. I'm not saying this that I want to go without, but um, I was it, just it, thinking a, from a size a standpoint
1: line. and the switchability. I mean that's that's something that Derek White is not gonna be able to like we've seen Marcus be able to handle some bigger bodies in the post Mm -hmm. when when the defense gets all turned around from switching and it doesn't hurt as bad. Derek White will get exposed.
0: I I think it's about the shooting at this point. I mean, honestly, for me, for the songs to win this series, they have to shoot the ball well. Make shots and they win. I mean, if they shoot if look, they lost they lost this game by twelve, right? They win. They make four more shots. If they're twenty-two for 50, 44 percent from three, which a lot of them were wide open looks, they win the. They the, the game, and honestly, I think they probably win the game if they hit probably half of those. If they hit two more, if they hit them early the game, on. They would have had a lead that would have changed timing. everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I just don't think. I think you're right. I think they win two and three. They win five and six. You're all set. You know, I don't see them winning four in a row probably at this point. But it, it no. feels like an anomaly, and now the Celtics have to prove that it's an anomaly. They have to prove that they can hit shots. They have to prove that their offense can can adjust. I don't think they need a lot of time. I don't think they needed to, to go in the lab and have many days off. I don't think, a you know, a situation of going between games two and three where they have this big gap from Tuesday to Saturday, they don't need a lot of time. It's pretty so weird, though. Tuesday to Saturday so yeah, weird. I
1: know it's not
0: normal like this. No, it's they kind did it of just in the last series too, though. I mean, there was a big gap between. what Was the game? Yeah. Uh, was it two and three? I think in the last. Yeah, three? it was. It was two and three. It was
1: when they were going switching yeah. home teams. Yeah, home court. yeah. So yeah. I
0: don't. I don't really understand that either. But hey, I, I hey, I think we'll take it. We'll, the day off. They'll be back at home. That's where I'd want them to be. Get their, get their rack figured out. Start making some shots. Stop having everybody get hurt all the time or whatever the heck was going on with that. And play a normal game. And if the Celtics show us who we think they are in game two, I won't be worried. If they lose, I'll be really worried. <laughs> so yeah, well, you let's, should. Let's see what happens, right? So, so does can't. that
1: mean that game two is a must-win game, yes. John? Yeah, it is. It is. It win. is.
0: Yeah. And then all right. Well, that's where we're at. Win. And then game four. Yeah. <laughs> all right,
1: let's throw shade at Kyrie's face, and then we can get on Yay. out of here. What a sweep! How good is that? Oh, felt so good. I I got to see games one and two, but then I was in a. I, I was traveling for work. I was on the road mm-hmm. for three weeks, and I was literally only at home three days in a three week stretch. It was bananas and it kind of timed out where I got to see the first two games at, you know, so I really got to watch them, but then I was in San Antonio for games three and four. And I kind of was watching a little bit on my phone and a little bit in a, you know, on the bar, like, or a restaurant, <laughs> depending on which game bar or a restaurant TV. So I could kind of see it, but long days, etc. So I didn't, I didn't really get to watch the Celtics go to Brooklyn and just smack them down. And, uh, and based on the way game four was officiated, um, it sounded like a thriller. Like even though it was a sweep that the two games were just like, can you believe this? Ah, it seemed like good emotional. And then getting the sweep anyway, against Kyrie. And even just, And then after the series, after all the boo-hoo stuff and everything, after the series, like, he comes out and it's like, I love playing against those guys.
0: That guy. That freaking (laughs) guy. That freaking
1: guy. I'm telling you. Not that That everybody doesn't get called out by Stephen A. Smith, but (laughs) it's still kind of cool to see Stephen A. like, light him up a little bit because he had it coming.
0: He did have it coming. You know, I I don't really I I first of all I think you saw the the two most impactful games were games one and two, not only because of the game winner but the comeback uh, in game two and just and the way that they defended Durant and Irving. Yeah, I mean, I mean the deep du, right. the
1: Durant because see I also have a little uh, towards I Durant. Know. I remember. It's not just Kyrie. You remember? I
0: remember. Oh yes.
1: So watching him to this
0: chair also, also get losing shut it. down <laughs> July 4th, <4, laughs>
1: 2016.
0: the 17, 17, 17. Yeah, Eight. five years ago. Oh, no, 16. When it was 16. 16. Six yeah, years 16. ago, dude. Yeah. yeah, you were you were having a nutty man that night. Whoa. Uh yeah. afternoon. afternoon. Oh, wait, I I had been barbecuing all day. Right, you, there was some liquid refreshment that was helping, um, yeah, fuel the fire. But uh, no, look, the game one and two are awesome, and, and and three and four, someone's really owned it. And and without the shenanigans of Scott Foster at the end of the fourth quarter, I mean, at the end of that game, it wouldn't even have been close. So I, it was a beautiful smackdown. It was. It was so wonderful. It made me happy. I was talking to some people online. They're like, you know, well, wouldn't it be better to to knock Kyrie out in Boston? Yes, but I think it's kind of more of a black mark on his career to to say it was to lose at home there. Yeah, to lose at home and have it be a sweep. Like it's not five. It's not even like a gentleman's sweep.
1: No question. It's like you You never got
0: one. And and this whole, there's been kind of like the worm turning on the idea, like, well, you know, there's never been a closer four-game series. Screw that. Like, honestly, stop those it. games should have been stop close it. to begin with anyway. The songs controlled yeah. four games. It was a sweep. There was no doubt it was a sweep. Like, stop it. Don't even give me that. That's just nonsense. Come on. Total
1: nonsense.
0: So, yeah, it was beautiful. It made me happy. And then to see him be like, well, you know, it all started back when I was there. Like, what a friggin' parasite! I know,
1: like, here I am taking the credit again.
0: Yeah. Hey, guess what? No, it
1: didn't. It started when Al Horford came. You dumbass.
0: (laughs) I mean, he's just the worst. It's just
1: delusional.
0: The nice nice thing about this season has seen how everyone has kind of just figured out what a what a douchebag the guy is. You know, it's, it's like. You know, even, like, last year, I remember hearing a lot, of, wow, you know, Kyrie's right about this. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's insane. Yeah. And, like, this year, with all the COVID stuff and, and just the way, the whole James Harden thing and all this, and then he's like, well, you know, me and Kev and Sean, and, and we're, we're going to run the team this summer, I'm thinking. And everyone's like, what? Wait, dude, you just, like, like what? You're not going to... Hey, let me ask you this. You you made a really good
1: point about the Bucs team being far more prepared with game planning than, yeah. than the Nets. How much of the way that that series even went down with the talent on that roster, are you hanging it on Nash or are you just looking at Kyrie and saying he's a culture killer so Steve can only do so much in that offense because everything's ISO with those two guys – because you got to feed egos. It's just, it is what it is. Like, how could you expect anybody to manage that roster? Because I feel like a lot of their, a lot of the guys that they're surrounding, Kyrie and, and um, and Durant with, like buy in. Like it looks to me like they buy into their role, which can be somewhat difficult. How do you make sure, like somebody like Brown, an up and comer, good. Feisty, got to take number three status. But look at this. I mean, if any player made a statement in that series, Mm -hmm. it was Brown, Mm -hmm. right? If anybody made a statement and said, Hey, I'm here, uh, you're all going to have to deal with me. Mm -hmm. He made that statement. So, how long does he continue to? I mean, it helps him to have those other two players around him so that he can play at that level. It draws attention away from him. But there's a part of me that feels like Steve got the role players to do their role, but sometimes getting role players to do their role is just by virtue of having somebody like Durant and Irving in the locker room. And so then, then it's back to the question of, okay, everybody's willing to defer because it's these two superstars and everybody knows the pecking order. Like, yeah, they want to get theirs and somebody like Brown's going to emerge amongst the rest of the pack. But once they run into a full head of steam with these two, you know, all-stars perennial, all-stars, with gifted skills and, and physical skills and, you know, um, and uh, and developed skills, it's probably easy to kind of say, ah, yeah, that's where I belong in this. So then you got to go back and be like, okay, I mean, is ISO the best thing for that team? Clearly not. Clearly not. And you got the other guys buying in. So do you lay this at all on Steve Nash?
0: Not... I put too much on Kyrie Irving, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the fact he had, Stephen Ash had no continuity on his team this year, right? Zero continuity. James Harden's in, he's gone. Kyrie's there for away games, not for home games. Um, Simmons I mean, shows up, but never plays, but maybe he's coming. Right.
1: Maybe he's coming. Maybe he's coming.
0: Then Durant gets hurt. Durant's gone. Durant's back. Like it, There was no continuity. And and while I would say the other guys bought in, I'd say it's probably more of a roster construction problem than anything. I think, you know, Javon Carter's out here would get put up a plus 25 for the team ranked third in the East. You, they gave him up. They cut him loose to go there. They cut James Johnson. They cut him loose. He could have defended some of those Celtics wings a hell of a lot better than, you know, Seth Curry did, you know, so it, I think I put. I think that there is. It's lane. still Steve Nash's job,
1: but there's a lot of asterisks on the way that this season played well, out that makes well, it really hard. Yep, and and the GM is ultimately responsible for roster construction, including keeping Kyrie Irving and his crazy. Like you traded for him, or I mean, mm-hmm. you signed him. You knew what you were getting. Mm-hmm. You built this. It's mm-hmm. your job to keep his shit together. Mm-hmm. And so you got to look at GM in this scenario. Yep. Um it doesn't mean that Steve Nash is a good coach either though. Mm. No. It just
0: means we don't know. Right. <laughs> we we probably just don't know. That no, I, that's exactly where I am on it. Right. I mean I, I don't I don't I wouldn't say he's a good coach based upon what I saw. Uh I think Eme was able to coach circles around him, but I also think you know, what's he going to do? I think his options were limited in terms of the players he had. And I think their inability to run stuff because they didn't have continuity meant that they had to rely so much on the singular talents and ISO ball to make it happen. Um, now, those excuses are gone, right? COVID restrictions are gone. And they should, and then they'll have Joe Harris back. That guy is still not going to play 60 games. He's not Kyrie. He's mean,
1: right? going to find a way. Not
0: that's exactly so right. Here's, all right. He'll take Last a break. Question. Remember, remember the year before he took, he took Yeah. his first year there. He had to take time away. Like yeah. this is not a it's guy how he operates in for it. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know what I think it is? What's up? I think he's trying to play
1: till he's 38, 39. I think he's keeping games down oh, because okay. it's also about money. If he can play at a high level because he's not really playing yeah, and he can, as long as they keep giving him a max, as long as he can get a max contract from somewhere, he just keeps rolling and rolling <laughs> and rolling and nobody they're going to keep some team because of the, how many sneakers and all the memorabilia sells some team is constantly going to keep giving him this money because they need to put people in the stands and they're gonna they're gonna let him have it. Is he going to have a super team? Is he going to have his best buddies coming over and all that? No, he's probably going to look a little bit more like uh mm. Stephon Marbury on the second half of his career. It's he's going to be a caricature of what he could have been. But yeah, he's still but he's going to get these deals and yeah. and and he's going to sell it on. Listen, you get the right people here and I'll get us we, we, when we get to the postseason, I'll carry us through. Now, this year doesn't, doesn't show that, doesn't prove that. Mm-hmm. But all he needs to do is win a couple of rounds every year, and he can go shop for a max contract and play at a high level and have the durability and continue to just reap huge yeah. financial rewards laid into his third. Because his body type, let's be real, even if he made it to 36 would be great. Every undersized-ish guard that's all handles, what do we say? off a cliff oh, at age yeah. 30 off a yep. cliff. Yep. I, that's what I think he's doing. I think he's trying to, I think he's trying to just I maximize. Just, money,
0: and he's I don't know. I, I, I just don't know if he loves it that much. Like, I don't know if he, I don't know if that's an act, maybe it's just an act, but I, I don't know if he loves being the guy. All that he loves
1: the lifestyle. He loves the lifestyle. I, I don't know.
0: I don't know if yeah, he does.
1: He does. I, he does. I don't, I don't he loves being. No, no, no. He lo, Listen, the guy's a
0: narcissist. Straight oh, I up. agree with that. I agree with that. So
1: yeah. So he needs this because the minute he doesn't have this, he can't have the lifestyle that comes with it. The lifestyle well, doesn't necessarily mean all the women and alcohol and parties, although it, I'm sure that's still part of it. But it doesn't have to mean that. It, it's the attention. He loves the attention. He needs this. What happens when he doesn't have basketball anymore? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's never He's never going to – he's he's what? How many years in a row has he been the top-selling, uh, maybe athlete, but definitely in the NBA for shoes, right? Like, hasn't he's he been the top gross sale? Yeah. So year over year over year over year. But you know what? He's not going to still sell shoes like Kobe did after Kobe went out. He's gonna yeah. like that guy is gonna fall into like nowhere land. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's gonna mm-hmm. drop off huge. He's got nothing. Like I know he's got some businesses and everything else, but he's burning too many bridges. He's getting too much of a reputation, right? And and they're not gonna want to be affiliated with him unless he pulls this like around like yeah. significantly.
0: Well, that's kind of what I'm what I'm saying is that. Is that uh, you know? It, it feels to me like he's offering, like he doesn't want to be involved. You know that he's like he wants to be out of this. You know, and I'm not sure if that's true, but but it feels like that's that's how he portrays himself. You know, yeah, no,
1: he just wears um, himself out. He wears himself yeah. out in the limelight. Okay. Limelight. That's all that happens. Okay. He brings on crazy amounts of attention and negative attention, and then. And then completely like this, that's why I'm telling you, he's a narcissist. He brings all the attention and the light on himself. Right. And then he has uh-huh. it. And then, and then he's like, what, why are you guys are so critical of me <laughs> and, and you should mind your own business. Stay out of people's business. You shouldn't be so critical in judgment, dude. You're the one that wanted that attention. You seek it. And Mm -hmm. then the minute he gets it, he flips it around like he's some sort of a victim of the system, like because he's got a powerful message to share.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's like, you know what? Then hold the powerful message. Hey, you know what? Sometimes this is a distraction for me with basketball. I still firmly believe this, you know, and I know you guys want to pick me apart for it. And I understand that, you know, tonight I'm here to play a game, but you're right. I do want to speak on these things. You know, like whether it's social justice or whatever, I mm-hmm. want to speak on these things, but you can't then turn around and be like, oh, you guys shouldn't, shouldn't cut me apart like that. No,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: if you're going to, if you're going to act like Howard Stern and Eminem and, you know, um, so many other artists that have, you know, have gotten that negative attention and, and risen uh, it to stardom, yeah. then you've got to play their part. They don't mind being the bad guy.
0: Right. Right. No, that's true.
1: They that's know true. what they're doing. So Kyrie, own it. Own it. That's why Right. you're not playing the games and you're not owning it. You're no. acting like you're a victim and the only person that you're victimizing is yourself.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's ah. fun. That's fun. Sweet. Sweet. So Celtics and Celtics six Celtics and six. And yeah. a big win on Tuesday, right? That's what we're looking forward to.
1: Has to be must win, right?
0: Yep, and Brown combined for 60. I like it. Me too. I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh man,
1: Celtics four, flat earth zero.
0: <laughs> oh man.
1: Come on throw one more at him before i no i crazy. no i can't
0: i can't I, nothing, i've got nothing I'm, i I'm, went I'm, too far you're talking to go too far you <laughs> can't go too far on that one. that's impossible that's impossible
1: <laughs> all right i'm going to close it out that's going to do it for this week's show as a reminder you can follow celtic stuff live on twitter at csl underscore tweet live you can follow john at csl underscore duke you can follow me at csl underscore justin as always a heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in and i do want to thank nick Gelso, the founder of clns media and on behalf of him and the rest of the Uh team here including john and myself thank you for listening to this week's edition (laughs) the second edition of this year of celtic stuff live